Let's remember this, to be reconciled to God, to come home to God the Father through Jesus is not something we earn. It's not something where we achieve status with God. It's not something where it's a reward because we did enough and then God owes us. It's not penance where we do enough to try to counteract our sins. Instead, it's a gift of God's grace at the costly sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Hello, and welcome to the FBC Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is entitled, The Holy Spirit, Salvation. It was based on 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-17. We hope you enjoyed today's sermon. Have you ever felt powerless? Or at least you wish you had more power. When those temptations come, and it's challenging to resist those temptations... Or to be empowered to love someone who for you it's really difficult to love them. Or to grasp Scripture as you're reading the Bible or you're hearing Scripture. You're, to have a deeper understanding of what Scripture teaches. Or maybe to be empowered to serve in a way that, where you feel the wind in the sails and it's really making a difference in our world. Well, the truth is we have a power source But the challenge is there's a lot of mystery about the Holy Spirit. And when we strive to follow Christ or to serve in our own strength, often we can burn out. We've all probably felt like that. Man, I'm working so hard to try to follow Christ or serve or pray or read Scripture. And and we begin to burn out. Or we can become bitter with God. This isn't what I signed up for. This is a lot more difficult than I... Imagine, God, I feel like I'm in the wilderness. How come I'm not growing? God, I feel like I just don't have power. And so we're launching a a three-week sermon series. We're going to strive to break through some of the confusion about the Holy Spirit, to unpack who is the Holy Spirit and how can we plug in greater to the power of God's Spirit for our everyday lives. And the lens to which we're going to look really is how the Holy Spirit empowers us. This is a theme we see throughout Scripture. Just three out, out of so many different examples, all the way back in Micah chapter 3. But I am filled with power with the Spirit of the Lord. Micah was writing in, in a generation where, where God's people were incredibly kind of denying the power of the Spirit, who were grieving the Spirit, who were breaking God, God's heart. And Micah writes, even in the midst of this turmoil, he sensed that, that he, he had an empowerment from the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And so you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. An empowerment to, to represent Christ in the world. And then in Ephesians chapter 3, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit. We'll explore three themes uh, in the next three weeks. Salvation, formation, mission, uh, one each week. Salvation, how the Holy Spirit brings people to Christ. Second of all, formation, how the Holy Spirit grows us more like Christ. And then third, mission, how the Holy Spirit equips us to serve Christ. So we begin this week about salvation. How does the Holy Spirit bring people to Christ? And how can we partner with the Spirit to help people to experience the love, the grace, the compassion, the justice 
that God has marked out for each people and for our world. So we really begin in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13 we read, We thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. Because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, and he's writing to the church in Thessalonica. It's it's today Thessaloniki, thriving port city in Greece. And, And he's reminding people, this is what God did in your life. This is how God changed your life. But here's what's fascinating. We usually think, oh, we came to believe in Christ. Then the Holy Spirit helped to sanctify us, helped to grow us more like Christ. And that's true, but it's incomplete. Because did you notice the order here? We read that God chose you to be saved. How? Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and then through belief. Wow. See, here's what this really means. It means that The Holy Spirit's the one who guided us home to Christ. And the word sanctifying, that the Holy Spirit sanctified us even before we had come to Christ uh, is the Greek word. Because remember that the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. We translate it in languages of the world. Is the word hagios. It means to be holy. It means to set something apart. If you set something apart, it's holy. These shoes are holy. Here's why. I only wear them on Sundays to preach or weddings, funerals, things like that, right? They're set apart for a purpose. Much more important is God's Holy Spirit set us apart, even at birth, throughout our lives. Matter of fact, God's Spirit had set us apart, was focusing on us, was wooing us, even when we were rebelling against God. Even at a time when we may have been avoiding God, even a time when we may say, God, I don't think you even believe. I don't think you even exist. I can't believe that. Even when we may have been so broken that we never could have lifted our head to possibly come to Christ, God's Spirit's been wooing us, saying, come home. Come home to the lover of your soul. And has been wooing and beckoning us all of our lives. See, you thought you found your way to Christ. I thought... At one time, I found my way to Christ. The truth is, God's Spirit wooed us home. All we did was say yes. So what difference does this make? Glory to God. Glory to God that God, even when we were broken, even when we were depraved, even when we were lost, even when we were broken, that God's Spirit still reached out and wooed us home. Or if you're not someone who's chosen to follow Christ yet, God's Spirit right now is beckoning. It's not an accident that you're here. God's Spirit is wooing, beckoning, calling you home to the lover of your soul. It's like the good shepherd, Jesus, who when even one is lost, doesn't say, well, I have 99. That's, that's, that's pretty good percentages. No, the good shepherd what goes out and pursues and brings the one back home. Uh, Titus um, Uh, Paul writes to Titus and describes it this way in Titus 3, 5. God saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. And God saved us, how? Through the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit. See, salvation, let's, let's, let's remember this, to be reconciled to God, to come home to God the Father through Jesus is not something we earn. It's not something where we achieve status with God. 
It's not something where it's a reward because we did enough and then God owes us. It's not penance where we do enough to try to counteract our sins. Instead, it's a gift of God's grace at the costly sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It's about God's mercy. And notice the Holy Spirit's calling within this, the two words. First of all, washing. Well, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit helps us to come to be cleansed by what Christ has done on the cross, for the blood of Christ to cover, for us to be washed clean and forgiven in God's sight. And then there's the word renewal. That's a renewal from death to life. You know, we can't create life. We can take what's already created and and do amazing things with it scientifically, medically, but we can't create life. Only God, only God's Spirit can bring those who are spiritually dead to life, to renewal in Christ. This is critically important for all of us. Every Sunday or teaching any class or um, anytime I'm leading anything, but especially preaching, I'm constantly thinking, God, I'm doing what you've called me to do. I'm, I'm studying diligently. I'm praying. I'm wrestling. I'm discerning. How does this connect with our church family? But ultimately, my prayer always is, God, would you do what only your Holy Spirit can do? Would you drill down deep and would you bring life change? See, I might be able to inspire you or guilt you, but probably by Wednesday or Thursday, it's worn off, right? Maybe Monday morning, right? But not the Holy Spirit. See, we're just partnering with God's Spirit to do beyond what we could have ever imagined because only the Holy Spirit can truly bring life change in, in people's lives. We think about the same thing with growth groups, which is one of the primary engines for how people grow more like Christ in community or cared for in our church family. But our real heart's prayer is, God, this seems to be an environment. These seem to be environments where you work in people's lives, where, where we're known, where we care for each other, we can share together. It's safe to ask questions and we can grow in Christ. But God, those... Those programs, those ministries don't change anyone's life. This is just an environment that we're asking your spirit, God. We're striving to partner with you. Would you, by your spirit, do what we can't manufacture? Would you bring change to people's lives? It also affects us when we're sharing Christ or when we're having conversations with friends, neighbor, family, when we're thinking about inviting someone to church. Sometimes we can become so fearful, understandably so, we're like, and if I don't say it just right, I do this just right, I don't answer the question just right, oh, God, I got it. It's like, relax. See, what we're really doing is we're detecting, we're discerning, what's God's Spirit doing in this person's life? And how can we partner and come alongside, or maybe nudge a little gently and see how God's Spirit's working? And we're just striving to partner with God's Spirit. So yes, we want to know everything we can and love people well and serve people well, but ultimately... We don't bring anyone to Christ. It's God's Spirit, and we get to kind of incarnate Christ's presence for people to help them to come home. So what happens when we do come home to Christ, when we come to salvation? Just a few things about the Holy Spirit's residency within us. Uh, I love how this is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where we read, Don't you know you're God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? Now, this portrait of a temple we read about throughout Scripture, and 
The temple was a portrait of God's presence with people. God would never be limited to actually a temple. Okay? If, if you ever hear about a God who's limited to, to a temple, keep shopping. That, that's a limited God, right? But the God of the Bible is, is, is unlimited, is everywhere, is all-knowing, but chose to reveal who he is uh, through the, the temple among the Hebrew people. And the message was, I am with you, but I'm holy. So you can't just stroll into my sight as if your sin and brokenness and filth and damage doesn't matter. Okay, that was the message. But do you remember what happened when Jesus died on the cross? When he took his last breath, when he died, the curtain in the temple was torn. It went into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the representation of God's presence. By the way, in Revelation 2021, when we read the new heaven, the new earth, it's shaped exactly like the Holy of Holies. See, heaven, the new heaven, the new earth, is the Holy of Holies, but all of creation and that's where we'll live, in God's holy presence. But only one day a year, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. Suddenly, the, the temple curtain's torn, and God is sending a message. It's like a change of address. God is saying, my spirit, I have manifest myself for the world in this temple. But now I'm moving from the temple and into my temples, my people. Here's what this means. The Holy Spirit lives within you. If you're a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit li lives within you. You don't need to somehow seek and somehow later get the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a package deal. When you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit took residency within us. That means you're never alone. It means if you're a Christ follower, if you've chosen to, to cast your sins upon the cross, and, and it, then God's Spirit comes into our lives. And we're never alone. How powerful is that? That the God of all the universe, what other deity, what other God in, in human history would dare to come to earth to sacrifice his life and serve people and then take up residency within them? Wow. And so God's spirit lives within us. The real question is, not is the Holy Spirit li living within me, but how filled am I with the spirit? How much am I pausing to recognize, God, your spirit's within me. As I read this scripture, God, would your spirit illumine and help me to understand this? God, I'm praying. I'm Oh, may your spirit help me to pray. God, I'm about to step into this temptation. God, by your spirit, would your spirit empower me with it, wisdom, either to avoid that temptation or to be strong through it? I, I'm having a spiritual conversation with someone. God, I'm pausing by your spirit. Will you give me wisdom? Will you evoke this person's heart? That's tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. But the challenge is we live such fast-faced lives that we just go whoosh on our own strength. And usually then we get into kind of a jam. We say, by the way, God, I kind of need your Holy Spirit. Rather than, I mean, all of us struggle with this. Front-end loading, God, you, you live within me. Your spirit is here. Guide me to understand your truth. Guide me to live out what it means to follow Christ. Give me grace when I stumble and fall to come back home. Guide me to be your hands and feet and voice in our damaged world. Um, one other example of God's spirit within us, of, of many examples we find in Scripture, is in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. When you believed, you were marked in Christ with a seal, 
the promised Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The Spirit, here's a portrait, is like a deposit for us. The Greek word here is the word arabon. And arabon, it's a great translation, is a word for like a security deposit, a down payment. Now, here's the portrait for us. When we order something, maybe it's online, a store, whatever like that, we often have to make a down payment, don't we? We make the down payment, you know, it might be 10%, 30%, 50%, whatever like that. And what that does is it identifies what that good is. It says that's our good, or at least it will fully be soon. And it protects it so they won't sell it to someone else, we hope, right? Protects it and identifies it. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing with us. See, Christ purchased us on the cross. Christ purchased us out of darkness into light, out of sin and into God's holiness, out of of the dominion of Satan to be liberated in Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is like a deposit that it's like God, God saying, there's a down payment there. You are identified as my beloved child. And the Holy Spirit's going to help protect us until either we die or Christ comes back. And when that happens, that's when we will fully come home to Christ, to the Father's heart for all of, of eternity. So the Holy Spirit is like a deposit to guide us, lead us, shape us, to be preparing us for the time when God's going to fully take us home. But the Holy Spirit also serves as an advocate. This is crucial for us to understand. In John chapter 14, verse 16, we read, I will ask the Father, as Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father, and He'll give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The translation here in the NIV is advocate. I think it's the best translation. Some translations are counselor, some comforter. Those are good. The Holy Spirit is a counselor to us. The Holy Spirit is a comforter for us. But that's not what we most need. Those are good things, but that's not ultimately the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is really an advocate for us. Uh, The word that is translated the Holy Spirit is... uh, Parakletos, para, meaning alongside, right? A paraprofessional or a paralegal. And kaleo, which means called, one who's called to be alongside us. And an advocate, the best translation really would be like an attorney, right? The Holy Spirit is kind of like an attorney for us. Now, now let's understand this, okay? It's like our defense attorney. Did you notice the word another advocate? True life confession, okay? You know, Confession is good for the soul. It's not always best for the reputation, but it's good for the soul, right? True life confession. I had never put together the significance of another counselor until the encounters with Jesus, uh, discussions that, you know, 40-something of us participated in together. And it was in that that I really learned the significance of another advocate. Isn't it awesome how... I mean, I have five earned degrees. I have studied Scripture for like 40 years. Isn't it beautiful to know that God just keeps revealing more and more and more of truth to us as we persevere in Scripture 
and, and in prayer. It's never close to exhausted the depths of, of Scripture. So we really have two advocates, another advocate. The first advocate is Jesus. See, Jesus is our advocate for us before the Father. Here's what the scene is like. Imagine the scene, the throne room of heaven and, and, and God the Father. Here's the Son. And the Son, Jesus. Oh, isn't that awesome? Look at how, how that Greg Mosell is honoring you and studying Scripture, loving his neighbor and being kind to his wife occasionally. And, you know, things like that, okay? But Jesus is also saying, but yeah, Father, oh, that Greg Mosell, some of the things he's thought, some of the ways he's reacted to some things. Boy, some of his sins. Yeah, he's guilty, isn't he? But Father, remember the wounds. And he's our advocate that we're in Christ. Our sins have been forgiven. We're clothed in the righteousness. He's our advocate before the Father. But then we have another advocate. It works the other way. Jesus is our advocate before the Father. The Holy Spirit is the Father's advocate to us. Advocating, kind of like an attorney who's, um, who's saying, hey, wait, wait, remember, God loves you. In the courtroom of God, I'm advocating for the Father so you know God does love you. Advocating, hey, remember God's truth. I'm going to help you understand. I'm going to illumine scriptures. You can understand it. I'm advocating for that. Whoa, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we love you too much. Don't stray there. I, I, I'm going to convict you of that. Advocating. We have an advocate who is bringing the Father's heart, who is helping us to understand the Father's truth, who's guiding us in the Father's way, and is bringing us back home when we wander. That's our advocate. But as we wrap this up, all of us struggle with doubt, don't we? We want a, a high water level of being real and honest at First Baptist, right? All of us struggle with doubts. I think one of those doubts is to struggle to believe, am I really a child of God? Is this for real? In Romans chapter 8, in verse 16, we read, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to be God's children. And the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Children, did you know the Holy Spirit arranged for your adoption? The Holy Spirit's running an adoption agency. Did you know that? The Father's adoption agency, right? And so we were spiritual orphans, weren't we? But we've been adopted by God the Father through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And the one who's brokered that for us to become God's kids, the one who's wooed us home for our adoption is the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit all of our life reminds us you are a child of God. Remember the cost? The sacrifice of Christ. That's how much God loves you. You're God's beloved child. Because it's so difficult for us. Especially if we've experienced rejections or wounds or brokenness or racism in our world. Especially when we struggle with our own self-image. It's one of the most challenging things, and God's Spirit reminds us, no, you are, if you're in Christ, if you're giving your life to Christ, you are God's child. And constantly reminds us, do we listen, do we hear, do we believe? And God's Spirit beckons us. We're children of God. I, um, Carolyn and I used to do this, I, I used to do this a lot with our kids when they were young. I, I would say, you know, 
Now, if, if we took all the children of Hadley, where we live, or Amherst, or the Pioneer Valley, and we lined them up and down our street, all the children were lined up, and we could walk up and down the street, and we could choose any two children to come home and be our children and live at our house, do you know who we would choose? And our kids would act like, oh, yeah, dad, dad, but then they'd look and wait to hear. Yeah, we would choose you to be our children. That's really what the Holy Spirit's saying. God has chosen you to be one of his kids. And when we say yes, we enter into this reconciled love relationship with God. That's also the most challenging journey we'll ever experience because God doesn't flatline and say, great, now go live your life. God says, all right, now we're going to learn what it means to be shaped more like Christ. And we're going to learn what it means to represent Christ to our neighbors. So how do we relate with the Holy Spirit? In our own strength, where we'll probably become burned out or bitter? Do we avoid the truth when the truth is challenging? Because the Holy Spirit's a truth teller. Do we avoid the truth? Do we fear when the Holy Spirit convicts us, filled with shame rather than recognizing? The Holy Spirit never convicts us. We'll talk about this a lot next week about formation. The Holy Spirit never convicts us to shame us or, or condemn us, but always to change us and bring us to be more in tune with our Heavenly Father. Will our lives be so busy that we'll just kind of whoosh through with a surface spirituality and never slow down and say, I mean, we also, I struggle with this. God, by your spirit, will you strengthen me? Will, will you show me what's really going on in my heart? Will you do some soul surgery by your spirit? Will you help me to understand your truth? Will you strengthen me in the midst of these temptations? Instead, I pray that we'll be teachable and shapeable and moldable by the power source, God's spirit. Here's my prayer for you, my beloved church family, whether you're in the house here or you're worshiping online. It's, it's a prayer far more profound than I could ever do because it's from the Apostle Paul, Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about what we do here at FBC, please visit our website, fbcamers.org. Also consider subscribing to this podcast so you can get a notification when our weekly sermons are posted. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.